Hello, everybody. This is Glowing Weak Point. I am your host, the literal Christian devil that American conservatives literally believe in. And my co-host, as always, is John. John, introduce yourself. I'm confused. That's that's who I am. What just happened? <laughs> like <laughs> the literal Christian devil. The literal. I am Satan uh-huh. incarnate. Uh, Lucifer, the Morning Star. Uh, wombat. <laughs> Why? <laughs> How do these keep getting weird? I don't know. Like. <laughs> You know what it is? Do you know what it is? It's that um, I've been listening to the Backlog of Knowledge Fight, which is a podcast uh, entirely, almost, about Alex Jones, who literally believes in the real Christian devil, that that is the enemy that he is fighting, and that Democrats are all literally demons. (sighs) Ah. And so it weighs on my mind constantly. <laughs> I guess so. I should stop listening to that one so much. <laughs> yeah, you, you probably should. I should go back on my, like, Night Vale bender. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, again, don't platform him. Like, deplatform him. And that includes in your mind. Like, deplatform him from your mind. He, he doesn't need to be in there. No, he doesn't. Except that... Hey, Wombat. <laughs> yes, John? <laughs> what's what's your glowing weak point? Um, the, the, my glowing weak point was, was going to be that last night I was able to go to a party and not feel, like, fucking terrified of getting a deadly illness. Um, that was going to be the glowing weak point until I got, like, food poisoning... And that, combined with my my pretty drunkenness, uh, led to me throwing up in in a in a in the toilet of a guy that I don't even like. Really, I I I'm not a fan of the guy whose house we were at. Um, so I threw up in his okay. toilet. Okay. And and then. We got home, and I immediately passed out on my bed, and then woke up five hours later at almost seven in the morning, and I went to get a drink of water, and then I threw up again in the kitchen sink. That's... What is it, like, last night, people I know got sick. Like... I mean, I know exactly uh, what gave me food poisoning, too. It was like these... H-E-B sells, like, these bacon-wrapped jalapeno poppers... Not a sponsor. Not not a sponsor, <laughs> just my employer. <laughs> uh, I had someone I was I was doing a thing as well last night and uh, one of my friends got so sick they threw up um and it was it was due to the fact that they were eating a party sized bag of uh, peanut M and M's. Um and drinking, and that's all they did. Yeah, you kind of um, need more than just sugar and alcohol in you. Yeah, for like 
hours. 13 hours. For, for like 13 hours. Jesus. Like, ac- actually, for like 13 hours. Uh, to the point where uh, he was throwing up blood and... Uh, Fuck! Throwing up blood. But he was throwing this... Throwing this up through his sinuses. Like... <laughs> this is a problem. He... he Auto neti potted candy covered chocolate peanuts through his sinuses. <laughs> so neti pots aren't healthy for you. Also, no, they aren't. <laughs> they aren't, especially the way most people use them. Yeah. Like if you're gonna use them at all, make sure it's distilled water. Distilled. No, it, it, even but mostly, don't use it. Don't do it. Yeah, like it can cause so many bacterial infections. There's there's a lot of things that that seem like it should clean you, but it doesn't. Like a douche, for instance. Like yeah, they're, in general, they're bad for you. Right. Um. But like you know, it's just it's just clean water up in you, cleaning you out. But you know, I mean, even we actually just, need some of those things. Even just a lot of the things that we do that do clean us, we shouldn't do so often. Like oh yeah, you don't need to wash your hair every day. Yeah. That it's bad for your hair. Uh-huh. And the same way that like you don't necessarily but at the need same to time, scrub if down you're, every If you're day. a man, you are taught from birth that you have to wash your hair every day. Right. Otherwise it's greasy and bad. Except like a little bit of greasy is okay, or oily. Oily. Yeah. Oily and greasy mean the exact same thing, but oily hair is better and greasy hair is not. <laughs> no, like, like I go through a week without, or not a week, but like half a week without washing my hair. And for like two to three days, it's oily hair and it's good. And then like by the fourth mm-hmm. day, it's now greasy hair. And I'm like, I need to wash my hair. Yeah, most people do a like every other day. Or, or, like, every third day they wash their hair. Yeah, that's more where I'm at. Like, every third or fourth day, depending on what my hair is at. I don't wash my hair until I'm like, this is gross and needs to be washed. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you, sh- you should probably do it, like, one day before that point. But you never know when you're going to hit that point. <laughs> yeah. So, the other, the other thing to note is that while that's for the health of your hair, if you get dirty, wash your hair. Yeah. Like, obviously, like... if you throw up... Like I did last night, and your hair gets in your mouth, wash your hair. Yeah. If you're out rolling in the yard, wash your hair. If, yeah. But if you're just going through your everyday life. Not a doctor. Uh, yeah, also that. Ah. <laughs> uh, okay. So it was going to be the party where you weren't going to get sick, but then you got sick. But fortunately, it wasn't the big disease no it was just 12 hours of misery (laughs) (laughs) like i don't i don't normally get drunk like that either and i feel like the food poisoning was playing a role in that as well yeah well i i also had 12 hours of misery last night oh uh i played destiny 2 Oh, yeah, you were streaming for supposedly 24 hours yesterday. Yeah, it was closer to 20, I guess 22 if I took every, well, no, that's bad. 19. I think 19 if I take out all of the the breaks and stuff. Okay. 
Um, That's still a long time to be streaming. It is a long time to be streaming, and and it's especially long when you get up early so you can go to the gym for a couple hours before. <sighs> yeah, I got up. I went straight to the gym. I worked out for over an hour, I think. That's a lot Came of working back out. And immediately, immediately sat down. Or I, I, I worked out at least between the workout and the like long walk I did when I got home. It was, it was at, it was over an hour in that. But like, I got home, did a long walk, and then sat down and streamed. That, like, <laughs> I feel like that's a bad idea. I feel like you made a bad I decision. Mean, I, I worked out my body, and then I didn't move. <laughs> for, <laughs> for 19 uh, hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyways, uh, the event was the um, Vault of Glass re-released raid World's First. So... Destiny has raids, they're six-man raids, and when they release a raid, there's a 24-hour period where the raid is harder, and usually, like, you, nobody knows how to beat it, and you, you're going through trying to, to do it, and uh, hopefully win. Um, uh-huh. But, uh, and, and whoever win, like, gets, beats the raid first, gets some extra swag, but Everyone who beats it on the first day during the challenge mode gets gets slightly less swag, but they still get their own special thing. Um, so this one was a little different because this is the first time they've re-released a raid. This is a raid from Destiny 1 that they brought back to Destiny 2. And because of that, they didn't do like the normal thing where you just beat the raid and then you get it. They did it a little different where you have to beat the raid, which unlocks the bonus challenge mode. So you're already playing in challenge mode to beat the raid. Okay. And then you have to do the raid again. But uh, the way challenges and raids work is that you um, each week there's a specific challenge for each encounter that just forces you to do the the encounter mechanics slightly different or you know in, instead of uh for example one of these um you have to shoot these oracles and there's seven of them and you know they chime in a specific order and you've got to shoot them in that order the uh challenge for that is that each person can only shoot an oracle once. Like, each oracle once. So once you've shot, like, this oracle that's over in this corner, you're not allowed to shoot that for the rest of the encounter. Oh. You can shoot other ones, but you can't shoot that one. So, you gotta keep track of... Which ones you've which shot. Which ones you've shot. And yeah. does anything change about them to denote that you have shot them before? Nope, you just gotta remember. That's stupid. So, but you you do that and you get an extra chest. So you, you get you get two two chests of 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 loot. But 
you know, it, so it's it's fun. Usually it's worth it. Uh, in in some encounters in in past raids, we like, oh, it's this one. We'll do it. And then other times when it pops up, we'll, we're like, no, we're not doing this. We don't. <laughs> we don't have time for that. <laughs> That's nonsense. But like some of them, like the for the last raid that came out, uh, the challenge for the final encounter is just the way everyone does it. Like, it's, it's the best way to do it. It's the most efficient way. I guess it's technically slightly harder, but it makes everything easier after you do it. So, you know, whatever that happens, since we're just, yeah, of course we're doing it. It's just doing the raid. I see. Um, so for this, you had to beat the raid, and then you had to beat the raid again, and do every single challenge. So, normally one challenge is available per week. This time, every challenge was available. Like, every every challenge had to be done. They're expecting a lot from you. So you had to beat the raid, and then beat the raid again, and do all the challenges. And... Did you um, succeed? And that would, that would give you the, within the first 24 hours, uh... Swag. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, and this is where I think they they failed a little, is is they went, well, we're not going to just, we want to bring back, the name of the raid is Vault of Glass. We want to bring back Vault of Glass, but we we need to update it a little bit to be, you know, the, the meta's completely different. Your characters can do things that you just couldn't even dream of doing in, in Destiny 1. Um, so, so they had to change a couple things and update a few things, but in so, and, and that's what they told us. So we figured like, all right, they'll throw some champions in there. They'll, you know, maybe they'll, they'll put a couple other things in there. No, like there are significant changes to half the encounters. So it's not even like the same raid anymore. Like, I mean, it technically is. And that it has the same name and the same story to it, and then nothing else. Yeah, and like all the same, it's it's built in the same environment. Like they they took the the environment from D one and they just ported it straight. Okay. And like the the oracles that you have to shoot show up in the same locations and and stuff like that. But like. The final encounter is very different. The The second to last encounter is very different. The The Oracle's one used to just show up one at a time and you just shoot the Oracle that was closest to you. Um, you know, it, it shows up, boom. Uh, now, they show up once and, and like, ping off in an order of uh, how you have to shoot them. And then they all show up at once and you just have to remember what order to, to shoot them in. By the way, there's seven of them. Oh. So <laughs> Yeah, so like there's 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 significant differences where it's the same raid, but it's also a very different raid. And I think honestly, if you've beat it in the first twenty four hours, like just the normal raid on challenge mode, uh you you should get the the emblem. Um but they decided but, instead 
they you have to do they decided to make it bullshit. you have to do it twice and the second time do a bunch of extra bullshit. So now, that takes me back I say to my all question. That as someone go did you succeed? No, we did not. Okay. And 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 here's here's the thing to I say this as someone who who loves the game and and really thinks that Bungie can do better. I I'm saying that you should have to just beat the 24 hours, you know, beat the regular contest mode raid in 24 hours to do it not as someone who beat the 24 hours and is pissed off that he didn't get it i we didn't beat the raid we got to the final encounter we spent like nine or ten hours on it trying to get it oh so you didn't even beat it the first time no we didn't um we have since i mean technically i haven't but my my clan has i had to go live my life do other things stuff yeah (laughs) (laughs) i had i had to do this uh (laughs) right i mean yeah like we didn't Uh, we didn't we didn't record the day we usually do because you were doing that stuff yeah but like and, and this we were we were very close we we just we had trouble dialing in how to to get DPS done, and it's confusing because like, uh, for the boss arena, there's six oracles and three random people get teleported inside to a a basically a mirrored version of the boss arena. Okay. So they they are looking at things from the opposite side of the arena. So how many people are um, doing it? Six. Okay, so half the team. Yeah, so so three people stay out of the mirror world, three people go into the mirror world. Then the people that stay out get to, are, are bombarded on all sides by exploding enemies. And they have to see um, three oracles spawn. And they spawn in an order. And you have to watch them to see what the order is. And then they go away. And the people outside have to tell the people inside the order to shoot them in. But also, they're looking at it from one point of view, so the other people are looking from the other point of view. Oh no. So like, you're looking, you're looking one way at the other person, basically. And they're looking back at you. So your left is their right, your near is their far. And this is unnecessary. That's that's a recipe for disaster in explaining things. So we 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 went through like three or four different variations of uh, left, right, near, or far, or portal, or stairs, or stuff like that before we finally just went to numbers. <laughs> we we numbered them. Yeah, and that worked. <laughs> and and. Like I said, the clan has beaten it already. Uh, we we didn't get it within the time limit. We actually waited until, you know, we, we played until there was five minutes left on the clock. And we just were like, all right, we're going to take a five minute break. And we're going to come back when challenge mode is over, when we're not 30 light below what the encounters require. Forced. Um and we'll we'll beat this and and on the we we came back we got like halfway through on the first try we got 
nuked on the second one like we 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 messed up and then on the third try my last try before i had to stop um we got to like the boss had like nine or ten percent health uh left and we just someone someone dropped something off the edge that we needed and and we couldn't get it back and y'all fumbled it uh, yeah, we fumbled it at the very end. Yeah, and you're it was like, very frustrating. You're at the end zone. I was and there you for all it. of it. <laughs> I was there for all nineteen freaking hours, and and then oh well. Good job. You tried. You put in the effort. Yeah. Yeah. It just sucks that nothing came. What about out you? Of. What have you played? Uh you know, I beat I beat near replicant like pretty much right after the last the last recording, which okay. I guess is just gonna be the uh, the recurring thing with me. I play these long RPGs, and then the last like five hour session that it takes to beat the game, I do immediately after we record. <laughs> um, uh. So I did that. I've I've gotten. I've gotten up to ending D in Near Replicant, and then I said, I'm burned out. I don't want to play anymore. I've gotten what I need out of the game. I'm stopping for now. Good for you. Yeah. That was... It, it was as far as I could go. Um, and we said we said last week that we would talk spoilers this week, right? Yes. So, at this point... Um, I'll just edit in like a timestamp for when near discussion ends that people can skip <laughs> to if they don't want to hear about spoilers. Editor Wombat here. You can skip to 3345 to avoid any near spoilers. Cool. Okay. So the story of near is that. Um, Nier, the main character, his sister is dying of the Black Scrawl, which is this weird disease where, like, numbers and letters and stuff, like, appear on your skin and then eventually you die. And midway through the game, Yona gets kidnapped by the Shadow Lord. The Shadow Lord. And the Shadow Lord looks like a... a a, like, transparent kind of-ish version of Nier. Okay. Um, and, and then there's a big time skip, and you go and try to rescue Yona, and you realize you have to gather up these stone tablets and put them together in order to gain access to the, the Shadow Lord's castle. And you go and do that, and you beat the Shadow Lord... And, um, there's a person who's possessing Yona, and, and she is the Shadow Lord's sister. And she says, um, as you're fighting the Shadow Lord, like, I can't do this anymore. Um, I keep hearing her calling out for her brother. Like, I can't do this to another person. And... And she, a shade, she's a shade, and she exits the body into direct sunlight and kills herself. 
At which point, okay. the Shadow Lord goes out of control, and you do the last little bit of the fight, and the game is over. And the last scene of the first ending that you'll get, ending A, is a cutback to, like, more than five years ago with Nier and Yona, like, on a hill looking up at the, the sky. Just, like, a reminder of better times. Okay. And then you start playthrough B. And playthrough B reveals quite a few things. So first, it starts you off almost immediately after the time skip. Um, when they... It starts when they, they rescue Kaine from her petrification. Because it's technically from Kaine's perspective... Unlike in Nier Automata, where they would actually have you playing as 9S during his perspective playthrough, um, you still play yeah. as Nier, but now you get to see things how Kaine sees them. Okay, and that's kind of neat. Yeah, and Kaine can understand the shades, because the shades oh. are human. What? I'm going to need you to cut that. I fucking forgot to turn off my, uh... uh what was that? Uh, it's my soundboard. I forgot to turn off the keybinds, I too. see. <laughs> yeah. Just cut all that. Alright, we'll just cut that little section. So, the shades are human. Um, they are... They're what, what are called gestalts in the game. Gestalts. Gestalts. They are the human soul that has been separated from the body. And you and all the other human beings that you think you know in the game are not actually human. They're what are called replicants. And they're supposed to be the empty receptacles that, like, the human souls will eventually take possession of again in the future. And, like, re-give birth to humanity again. So, unfortunately, what happened along the way is that it took so long that replicants began gaining sentience of their own. Like, they used to just... Oh. Yeah, they they used to just be, like, so empty vessels. The shades are humans, and the humans are machines that are now... Like, biological alive. machines. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and the Shadow Lord is the human soul of Nier. Like, like he is the the <laughs> counterpart to him. Um, and Nier was actually the first uh, Gestalt. Um, okay. Like he was the first person that they they performed this procedure on, where they separate the human soul from the body which means that he is also like the tether to all of the other shades oh right so killing him kills all the others right because like what's what's been happening is that the shades that are going hostile and attacking people they're entering what's called a relapse um where they just kind of lose all sentience and control and go feral, basically. 
And going into relapse is also what causes the Black Scrawl in the Replicants, because they're obviously tied together. When the, um, the human soul starts going out of whack, then the, the body that they're supposed to be entering gets the Black Scrawl and eventually dies. Mm. Which is what was happening to Yona. So, Yona's gestalt was entering into relapse. And this is why the Shadow Lord kidnaps Yona, is to put, put her into her, her replicant so that she'll survive. Yeah. Yeah. And and then things get really sad. Um, you discover that all of the shades that you've been fighting along the way were really just kind of trying to defend themselves. Like, the robot and the little shade that were working together in the um, junk heap, they had nothing to do with the, uh, the, the weapon guy's, like, brother's death. Nothing to do with it. It was actually an accident that he caused, and then he saw the machines there and and put the blame on them. And the little shade is literally just like a young child, and the robot is just his friend. But because we didn't mm. understand them the first time, like, we just killed them. But it's even worse, because now playing through the second time... You understand that Kaine did know. Kaine was hearing these voices the whole time, mm. but she's convinced herself that, like, she's gone, like, insane or something. Like, those aren't real human voices. Because, because the first time she heard a shade talking was when it killed her grandmother. So, mm. yeah, it's just... It's all it's all sorts of fucked up. So so what essentially happens is that like we we are the cause of humanity's extinction. Like yeah. us killing the Shadow Lord ensures that um Gestalts and replicants will never be able to combine again. And yeah. Slowly shades will will enter into relapse. And replicants will get the black scrawl and die, and both. So, will... like replicants can't even. Like replicants also are doomed. Yes, because as so, the... like you're both screwed. Yes, like there is absolutely no hope of humanity coming back from this. In any, but like, in any yeah. form, in Ugh. any form. Like in in saving our sister, we have doomed humanity. That sucks. Yeah, you play trash games. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's depressing. It was fun to get there though. Um, and I I will say endings endings C and D don't really have anything to do with that either. Like. After ending B, that kind of becomes a side note as you now deal with um, Kaine's character. Like, the resolution to her arc. Because she's had a shade living in her arm this entire time. And after you kill the Shadow Lord, her shade goes into relapse and takes over. So you have to, you have to fight her. She's the actual final boss of the game. 
And then you're offered a choice after fighting her that results in either ending C or ending D. Ending C is if you um, kill her. Like you. Okay. Yeah, you kill her, and that kind of like saves her from becoming this horrible monster. Um, and ending D is not really explained, like what's actually happening there. But you essentially sacrifice your own existence in order to save Kaine so she can live a normal life again. Um, and, and what this results in is actually the entire wipe of your save files. Like, it, it even goes through all of the menus and everything and deletes all of your weapons in front of you, all of the words you've gained... All of your notes on things, like your tutorials and everything, it deletes all of them until finally just deleting the save file altogether. And you can never name another save file with that same name again either. Because you've been written out of existence. All right, well, set time is over. How do you Welcome feel, back. You, um, how do you feel about what, that, what's, John? <laughs> what's what's light eat one? <laughs> uh, I, I don't actually have much to talk about with light eat. Light eat is a little fun. Like it'll take you like two hours to beat this game. It's a little RPG about a uh, about a liar, a scammer, an information broker named. Theobald Leonhardt. He has silver hair and a red coat, and he's cool. Um, okay. And the other main character is Elfina, who's like a dragon who eats lies. Um, mm. and, and the game Light Eat One is about entering like a town that has almost no residents. There are there's a pair of siblings. Who are the only like true residents of the town left? There are two other information brokers. We're here to meet up with one of them, and there is an assistant to the other information broker. And when you enter the town, that's all that's there. Okay. Um, and the concept of the game is that like something weird has happened in this town, like. The, mm-hmm. the siblings talk about um, a wolf who comes out at night and eats people. And that's why all the residents of the town have left. And As you would. Yeah. And, and, and then the first night happens and the information broker that we came to meet up with goes out at night and gets murdered. But not by a wolf. Like, she has a bite in her neck. But otherwise, she's just kind of been stabbed. And everything that we thought was like blood... Like wolves do. Yeah, and, and, and everything that we thought was blood around her was actually these, like, love berries that she uses as a, uh, as a like, distraction tool. Like, she throws them and it splashes, like, red sticky goo on you. That's what it actually okay. was. So really, she's just been drained of blood. You know... Like a wolf does. Uh, so, uh, 
there there's not much to this game you solve the mystery of who the vampire is um and that's it like it's just like a little short story um, it's part of I a... I guess spoilers that it's a vampire. I mean, who cares? <laughs> I'm sure you'd figure that out, like, <laughs> two minutes in. Like I said, it's it's a it's a two-hour-long game. There's not much here. Um, it's... Yeah. It, the characters are fun. The story was interesting for two hours. Um, I don't know. The art style's cool. I like the, the character portraits. They all look nice. It comes. Okay. It comes as a pack of three, and I was gonna play the other two this week because it's like it's like little short stories featuring these two main characters. But I just didn't get to the other two this week. Okay. Yeah. It's fun. But I'm glad. Yeah. And what I've mostly been spending my time with this week is Minecraft, though. Did you add any new mods? No, we haven't. Um, okay. Did I say last time that I got on a server with uh, my girlfriend and Mitchell? Yes. Yeah. So we've been playing on that server. We have a we have a village built up. Um, uh, my my house is like a castle built on top of a mountain next to the village. I have stairs leading up to it. That's fun. And I spend most of my That's time cool. mining. <laughs> I don't know. I like mining in this game. Yeah, mining mining is fun. Um, I like I like finding diamonds. It's kind diamonds. of a, a mindless task, but you can you can really get into a groove doing it, especially if you've got other people to talk to about things. Yeah, like I don't. And it's always fun finding uh, copper or iron or or the odd diamond or. Is copper a thing? I've never found copper. Okay, so A, you're playing on an old mode so you don't have copper, and B, you're not playing with any of the mods that add copper, because, like, 70% of the mods add copper. Oh, I see. Because those 70% of the mods also are mechanical mods, so you can mechanize the world. Hmm. What do you mean, mechanize? Uh, they add forms of energy. Uh, see, so you, you, you... Oh, we can add... I want to add a mod. Yeah, I want to add that mod. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Um, yeah, we're going to have to look me... one up. There's... I'm uh, trying to remember what the... We don't have to do this right now, though. Best one that I'm thinking of is... G- keep going. I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like mining because uh, I like... I like finding caves. Those are always fun. And I like when I find diamonds. It's just always a, a nice little reward when I reach like around bedrock and then I dig out a little bit and I find some diamonds. I even like redstone okay. dust. I, I like getting a lot of redstone dust. I've built my... I'm building up my enchanting room. Like the room is there and the enchanting table's there and the... Uh, like I'm going to say half or a third of the bookcases are there. For my enchanting yeah. room. I built it out of redstone and coal blocks. So I the 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 floor is coal, so it's like this deep black, and then the walls and the ceiling are red. Yeah. And it used so much redstone. 
Yep. <laughs> and he's, I used probably like 10 or more stacks of redstone to make this room. <laughs> um, All right. Here's, here's what I'm going to say. If you want, there's... There's like four mods I would suggest. Yeah. For 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 like anything that uses electricity and stuff. So the probably the easiest one to get into that has like the most resources developed to it and and really helps you out the most and and is the most like all-encompassing that doesn't also suck. <laughs> would be immersive engineering. So it's a it's it 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 has actual power lines. Um and then it all of the structures for like grinding and and generating stuff are multi-block structures. Oh, that's cool. Um so they're they're pretty cool. You got to and and fortunately they've done it correctly so that you don't have to like look up the the wiki every time you're you're curious about how to build one of the the structures it's got the the engineer's manual already in the game which will even allow you to like look up the thing right click it to view in world and then you can like put a holographic version of it in world and then just fill in those blocks huh so it's 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 kind of retro futuristic like bioshock or or sky captain in the world of tomorrow like that means kind of steampunky <laughs> okay it's a great movie okay. um but that's that's what i would say is is probably the best one to do other things are like uh extra utilities uh, which which just adds a bunch of small things, including a um, a power system that that works well. It's a good just all around mod. Um, yeah, because one thing I was thinking about doing was building like a like a highway system around where we travel, like because they found a village mm-hmm. out in the desert that they've been uh, interacting with a little bit. And I've got a mine yep. set up on another mountain. So I was going to okay. try and set up one of those. Yeah. Um, then the other thing would be RF tools. Now, RF tools is a little bit more complicated. Um, but I'd say it is one of the better more complicated um technology mods okay that you could do like some really cool you can build your own dimensions what so like you know how you can go to the nether Uh uh-huh well with rf tools and an appropriate amount of energy to pour into this because it you're you're creating a dimension right uh you could make diamond dimensions where Everything in the dimension is made out of diamonds. Blocks of diamonds. Um, That's cheating. <laughs> I mean, it it takes to to be able to do that. You don't need diamonds anymore because you've 
you've <laughs> I see. created a generator that produces <laughs> enough, produces and stores enough uh, power. Um, yeah, that's not. It's not cheating at that point. Okay, um, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> the best we've got as far as like any kind of like machinery going is that Mitchell figured out how to make an auto smelter in the game. Okay, yeah, you're you're pretty vanilla then right now. Yeah, like we we've got two auto smelters going in our village, one at his house and one at mine. Yeah. Um the last one I I want to suggest, which is it's a really really cool mod, but it's an end game mod. And it's Draconic Evolution. So it's it's pretty much the endgame mod that most people use because all the the items that you can make are just broken. <laughs> so when you say endgame, this is after after we've done everything, maybe add this one in. Well, no, I mean, this is this is one of the things that you, you work towards as you're doing everything else. I see. And then once you, once you like, you get tired of doing the other things or you get to a point where you're like, ah, I don't, I don't have time to go work with that. Uh, like, that, that's going to take too much time to dig or something. Then you just finish up Draconic Evolution, which will give you tools that, like, the Axe of the Wyvern. You chop the base of a tree, and it chops the entire tree down. Uh, all of it. Oh. And, like, including some, the the leaves, I think. Like. Wow. <laughs> and you get all the wood, and all the, like, you get everything. Um. Okay. You, you, you can, like, pickaxe, except as you dig, you're not digging a, 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 one block you're digging a three by three or a five by five i think it Jesus. goes up to like 12 by 12 but it, it it takes durability and it takes power so you have to charge these things and the the amount of power it takes is is not insignificant like draconic evolution though is, is one of the the coolest mods i'd say okay but it's definitely an end game mod <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what we did. I was playing I was playing Minecraft up until we started recording. Actually, I wasn't <laughs> down in my minds. I was just I I set up like a little hut, a little bit of ways away from the village, and I've just been exploring in a circle around that. Okay. Yeah, seeing what's out there. Also, cool. we have a map, so anything I explore gets marked on my map. Yeah. All right. Yep. So, do we want to talk about game facts, John? Uh, I don't know. We can skip it this week. Uh, we're not going to skip it. <laughs> <laughs> you did so much work for it you're just like yeah we can skip game facts <laughs> sorry i was yes anding that wasn't a yes and 
He's like, oh, do we need to do this? That was a... You know, yes, and would be to continue your your comment that no, no, we don't need to do this. (laughs) That was just a no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Our first game fact. (laughs) For Zanadu is an action role-playing platform adventure designed by Hudson Soft of Bomberman and Mario Party fame for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And now you know what game we're talking about. Fazanadu. Fazanadu. Fazanadu? Fazanadu. Fazanadu are you? Move on. <laughs> Attempting to build on the commercial success of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, the best Zelda game, many imitators mm-hmm. came onto the market, most prominently Fazanadu, which doubled down on the side-scrolling platform aesthetic for the entire game, eschewing the world map. I yep. I actually do think Zelda 2 is like one of the best Zelda games. It's, it's a pretty good one. I've never been able to fully get into it but every time i've picked it up i've been like oh yeah this is this is fun i don't hate this yeah uh i'm i'm a big fan of the older zeldas personally as opposed to the newer ones um, if, if i had to pick like the best zelda games it would of course be a link to the past and majora's mask and twilight princess and those those would be the three ones that i would pick two of those i hate and one of them i've never played (laughs) you don't like twilight princess or majora's mask i don't like link to the past or majora's mask and i've never played twilight princess no i interesting i I absolutely hate majora's mask actually (laughs) i you know what i always loved playing the game in majora's mask i never liked beating the game no. Like I me for me playing games a lot of the time was just me messing around in the worlds. Mm. And and I feel like Majora's Mask allowed me to do that a whole lot more than Ocarina of Time did or or a lot of other games. It it was to me I, I treated it like a an open world RPG and just went around and did what I wanted to. And on top of that I I think that the story for Majora's Mask is a much better story, but it, the gameplay, if you're trying to play the game, is frustrating dealing with with the time limits and stuff. Yeah, that was the, that was the issue I had with it. Every time I play the game, I feel like I'm, I'm being rushed, and I don't I don't really yeah. like feeling like I'm being rushed. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're trying to to like, if you're trying to play the game to beat the game, then absolutely you're gonna feel rushed. But if you're just having fun in the game, and there's a lot of things you can do in the game to just have fun, um, then then I I'd say it's it's a really good game. I see. But yeah, yeah it's I've, just kind I've, of I've like I've definitely different... tried to beat it. Yeah, it's our different uh ways we take on a game, I guess. My mm-hmm. my favorite's always been like Wind Waker, um, Phantom Hourglass too. <laughs> although that one's not as good. Um, and then I like Majora's Skyward Mask Sword is a, a way easier game to beat than uh, Wind Waker is. <laughs> yeah, you think so? Oh, I think so. I know so. 
I feel like this is just your personal opinion, man. No, in, in Majora's Mask, I don't have to go around to all fucking 100 uh, ocean treasure chest locations to get all the Triforce pieces and map pieces and nonsense. Man, that's what's fun about the game, actually... though. That's real exploration no. there. Yeah, that's good it's, shit. It's boring. Whatever. Boring. Fawzanadu is actually a spinoff of the second game of the Dragon Slayer series, which doesn't actually have any continuity in plot or genre, but are all games by Yoshio Kia, which doesn't apply to Fawzanadu, so it's an official spinoff of a series it's not a part of. What? Yeah. So, like, the, the Dragon Slayer series... Uh-huh. ...is... Just just means it's a game made by um, Yoshio Kia. Okay. And but like, as you'll see later, they're all wildly different. Like they're they're role playing games, and that's that's it. That's the like, only that's, thing that's they pretty have much in common. Pretty much, most of them are action, uh, real time action games. But uh, they're they're just all role-playing games none of them are in the same worlds none of them have commonalities with characters or or or, or even storylines like they're not there's there's no like recurring sid character or four crystals that you have to find and break so it's not even like 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 basic elements connecting no they're all wildly different games I see. Because I was about to compare just, it to Final Fantasy. I was like, oh, well, they don't really have, like, the same characters or worlds or anything. But no, not No, even, but like, you know when you're playing a Final Fantasy game. Right, you see a mo- <laughs> you see a Moogle and you're like, oh, I guess I'm playing Final Fantasy. Yeah, you see a Chocobo and you're like, alright, cool, Final Fantasy. This no, is where that, I'm at. That doesn't, that doesn't exist for a Dragon Slayer. <laughs> the, the, really, the only thing connecting them is that they're produced, or they're, they're designed by Yoshio Kia. And Fuzanadu is a spin-off of Dragon Slayer Zanadu. But it is not made by Yoshio Kia. So it's not a part of the Dragon Slayer series. So it's just like his publisher was like, this is a cool game. We're going to take some elements of this game and make another game and you're not even going to be a part of it. But I mean, it's in the same world as Xanadu. Uh, <laughs> it's like if I made a uh, a game that was based uh, in the Breath of the Wild uh, Hyrule. Uh-huh. But, but it doesn't have Link or Zelda or any of the characters you see in the game. Not even Tingle. No, not even Tingle. <laughs> That's that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Who does this? This is just fucking This is insane. What? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Dragon Slayer is considered to be the first ever action RPG, a dungeon crawling RPG that was entirely real time, featuring an in-game map, item management due to limited equipable inventory, and introduced item-based puzzles. Influencing the later Legend of Zelda. That's cool. Like, this is the first 
action RPG. These are the first item-based puzzles. Like, Yoshio the Kiyo's game a was Legend of Zelda. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Yoshio Kiyo is like, wow, it would be cool if I could, like, invent half of the indie game genres right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> More than half. What's he doing these days? Is he still making Dragon Slayers? No, no, he he has his own, or he he works at another company. He's a CTO. Oh, um, he's not making anything anymore. Not really. Damn. Uh, actually, he. <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get back to him. Okay. Uh, later at at the end, if yeah. Okay. Dragon yeah. Slayer Two Xanadu was a full fledged RPG considered a proto Metroidvania game with character stats and a story, and while it kept the real-time top-down combat, it adopted a side-scrolling exploration view and increased emphasis on platform jumping, puzzle solving, and even invented an early karma system. I want to play these games. Yeah, no, dude, this this guy, like, I I started reading this, and I was like, all right, so it's a spinoff, and I, I found out the, the like, spinoff of a series that's not part of it. I was like, oh, that's funny. This is, this is a cool little fact. Let's, let's look at some more things about it. Holy shit, this dude invented video games. Right, like, every video <laughs> like game this- that exists now, this dude <laughs> this, invented this dude just- the fucking mechanics of them. Yeah, this dude just invented the concept of video games. Like, what the <laughs> heck? <laughs> like karma system like metroidvanias uh character <laughs> Zelda stats. games yeah character stats i mean like he didn't invent character stats no but he like obviously. put them into games for what would be like one of the first times yeah and i mean this is this is back before the, this was in 1985 so this is before so are these games uh, on the in- nes or are these even no like, before then? These are PC eighty eight. Oh, oh, I can't. Uh, how would you even play these anymore? <laughs> uh, a lot of them have ports. I'm gonna look into. So, these. for example, Dragons the the original Dragon Slayer had was re released in 2012. Oh, okay. Dragon Slayer Michi Kareshi Hokan no Senshi Tachi. So what are these games like on Steam now? No, no, maybe. I'm looking it up. But it's it, uh, wild. What? Like before before Dragon Quest would even be a thing. This dude's like, I'm going Oh yeah. I'm going to invent what Dragon Quest will become. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't. It's just insane. That I don't he's... think they are. No, they're not. Unless that's it. Okay. In order to avenge her mother, Seraphine set out to kill the dragon named Zutadus. Here, she met people of the same purpose with her as Jeanette and Alyssa. This is just an RPG maker game called Dragon Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Sue them. Sue them? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to I'm not going to say infringement of copyright. I'm not going to say sue them because uh if if we still had 
copyright laws that made sense, it would be okay to use that name. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it would be even be okay to uh, be not Hudson Soft and make a game in the Dragon Slayer universe. Correct. Yes. Well, there is. There's no such thing as the Dragon Slayer universe. No, I'm talking about the Dragon Slayer One universe. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the problem is that there's Dragon Slayer Two Xanadu, which is not at all the same universe, but it's still Dragon Slayer. And I bet there's even more Dragon Slayers. Oh, that oh, actually really? that brings us to our next fact. The remaining five games in the series... There are seven games. Yes. The remaining five in the series include Dragon Slayer Jr. Romancia, which was a simplified Xanadu-like purely side-scrolling game, Dragon Slayer 4 Drassel Family, which was the Xanadu type of RPG perfected, Sorcerian, which was a party-based action RPG that was released before and... Archimedes subjectively says will always be a hundred times better than Final Fantasy could ever be, despite the fact that he's never played Final Fantasy X and how how could he ever understand? Followed by a generic JRPG and an early Sim Life game, a Dragon Slayer Sim Life game. Yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. I guess the generic JRPG was that uh that <laughs> RPG maker game I just saw. <laughs> no, here's here's the here's what I think happened. Cause he left shortly after the uh the Sim Life game to go and uh be a CTO. Well, I mean the problem was he was he was doing that stuff and and, and making all that, and he kept going to uh, uh, Nihon Falcom was was the name of the company at the time. And oh, saying, like, they still exist. Yeah, uh, and he was like, "You need to transition to MS DOS. Like, stop building PC eighty eight games. You need to switch to Windows based computers because they're what's going to catch on." And like, he told this to the president and. They were told, like, if we do that, it will kill the company. He's like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> so he left, and he went for it to work for another company, and and that's where he is today. Do you think it would have um, killed the company? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure they make games for MS-DOS. Or for, for Windows computers. Oh. Like, I mean, like, I'm, now I'm, they do, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure he was wrong. It would not kill the <laughs> Maybe maybe in fact this is one of the reasons why all of their franchises go kind of under the radar now. Yeah. Because they make actually um, really good games at Nihon Falcom. Uh Trails of Cold yeah. Steel, Trails in the Sky, the Yeast series, like so, so, like, here's here's the cool thing about, and, like, this is what I think happened, is, like, as he was getting further in to to this Dragon Slayer series, he started, and, and this is completely subjection, I, I think what happened is he got, kept getting pressure from the aboves to make games similarly, um, and, because, like, the first two games 
completely different games. Like, the, he'd vented genres. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and then for the third game, I, I personally think he was like, you know what? I think I can, I think I could do this better. So he simplified his last game a bunch and like completely new story, completely new everything. But it's, it's, it's like the mechanics are similar, just simplified a ton. And then I think they, they went to him and were like, you know, they, that, they did that pretty good. Can you do that again? <laughs> and he was like, well, f- I don't want to do that again. Like the, I'm, I'm the guy who invents genres. <laughs> um, but, but they're like, you need to do that again. So he's like, well, fine. I'm going to add a whole bunch of stuff back in. I'm going to make Drazzle family and it's just going to be like everything that I wanted. It, it now is. Okay. So they, they did that. And it was like, Awesome. Great, you did that. Uh, we'll let you go do something else. So, what so they really a- wanted was for him to make uh, another Legend of Heroes. Yeah. They wanted him to make a, a side-scrolling Legend of Heroes. Um, like, that's what it sounds well, like. Le- le- like- le- Legend of Heroes is uh, Dragon Slayer 5? It's or six. It's the sixth game in the Dragon Slayer series. Wait, what? Yeah, Dragon Slayer: The Legend of Heroes is the sixth game in the series. That's the generic the JRPG. That that's Wait. the yes. So he the invented the JRPG. Legend of Heroes, also. Correct. Yeah. So Trails of Cold Steel and Trails in the Sky and shit don't exist without him. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> well. Legend of Heroes came out after um, uh, Final Fantasy did, right? And and it's, I'd, I'd say it's it's very similar to a a final early Final Fantasy game. Yeah, I've got um, it's, I've got one of the Legend of Heroes like not trails of anything on the PSP. I think it's called like Red Vermilion or something. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very much just like. Breath of the Fire more esque, um, yeah. world exploration and stuff, like so Breath of the Breath of Fire two, kind of. I I think like Sorcerian was the last time he got to do what he he really wanted the way he wanted, uh, because like it's it it came out before Final Fantasy, but it is a a four character four or four class RPG, but it's. A side-scrolling action RPG where you keep all of them and you get to do class-based puzzles and uh, stuff like that. Um, and and then they're like, Final Fantasy just came out. Can you do that? And he was like, I, I guess. And so he did. <laughs> and then he went and he did. He was like, you know, screw y'all. I'm making like a, a life sim. <laughs> she's like what are you gonna do stop me and and like the game itself called itself a life sim uh wikipedia calls it, it it's called lord monarch is the name of the game and wikipedia calls it a real-time strategy game but it's uh, it has time? some life sim elements to it like they're comparing it to starcraft yeah no, honestly, that's that's not far off from what I saw. Oh, okay. So they're not wrong to call it that. No, they're not wrong to call it it, but like at the time there wasn't anything similar enough, so they called it a 
a sim life. Uh, yeah. I see. Because when you say sim life, I think of The Sims. The Sims, yeah. No, it's... it's. Oh, I can't remember the name of the game that it would be sim- more similar to. But... But I, I get it now. I, I, I understand uh, StarCraft, and if it's similar to that, mm-hmm. I can I, I can put... I can put one and one together. Okay. Uh... But, by the way, you, you mentioned the East Games. Uh, yeah. He was part of the production production staff for the first two games. Of course he was. He invented <laughs> Neon Falcom. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, the, nothing they have anymore um, exists without him. That's insane. Yeah, no, I mean, like, it the... <laughs> So, Nihon Falcom was a computer store that sold Apple computers. <laughs> uh, and... This is like how Nintendo uh, used to just be like a, a toy company. The, the the store was owned by this guy, uh, this other guy, and over time, Kia began showing him his original software he had created. And the, they eventually led to Nihon Falcom publishing a game he had made wait so he's the founder of the company also no 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 neon falcom existed before him it was a computer store though but he's the he's the founder of like their video game development branch yeah yeah <laughs> and and then I he mean, went i'm to, not gonna argue with that and at then all. he went to the i'm guessing the guy who ran the store before like his friend and said, what if we went and made, like, MS-DOS games? And they're like, no. His friend said no, so he quit. Yeah. <laughs> this I mean, the, it, it is true. <laughs> the, 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 quote, the quote here of, of him talking to the president is the, the person who had owned the store. So, yeah. Gee, you could make a movie out of this guy. This is cool. Additionally, um, just to show how, like, Falcom just really doubled down on being like other games and following in other people's steps, uh, eventually they created the MMO Yeast Online, I think, right? Uh, I don't know of a Yeast Online, but I'm sure there is one. At the same time, they were creating, uh, the MMO Sorcerian Online, which which is based off of the... Dragon Slayer five five yeah Sorcerian, um and yeah, it's a full three D RPG. Fun thing about that, um, it's not a part of the the Dragon Slayer uh, series, of course, except for the fact that I would consider it to be considering Kia left uh, Falcom to join Nihon application, which is known today as Krinsmerd. I don't know um, what that is. Which he, he eventually became chief uh, technology officer and the general manager of the online games division. In the mid-2000s, he would again work with Falcom indirectly when Krinsmerd helped create the MMO Sorcerian Online. <laughs> Oh my god. So, technically... But not really. Okay. (laughs) 
but like he's a he's a pretty cool dude like he 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 goes around and he he does a bunch of uh interviews with people and stuff and uh i i looked up at his his twitter was on the site okay and so i went to his twitter he's 61 years old by the way um or he's 60 to 61 years i just did the math on this year minus his year of birth oh we Um, don't have his birth date no oh may 22nd so uh happy birthday oh (laughs) (laughs) one day late happy birthday to yoshio kia what the heck yeah one day late (laughs) at the time of recording uh happy birthday yoshio kia you're really cool. I love you. What? What the <laughs> crap? That's ridiculous. Uh, but like, sixty-one years old. Um, but like, he's. I was looking through his tweets, which it's it's all Japanese. I I don't I don't speak that. You know, I can. I it's can literally all Japanese. And, and tw- <laughs> t- Twitter um will auto translate it, kind of. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and it, but it's just like a normal person's Twitter. Like he, he tweets about like his, his keyboard not working <laughs> and he tweets about food that he's making. Like he, he, he pickled some cucumbers and, and oh yeah, and he's like super happy about it. He, a lot of cooking things. He's just a fun uh, old man. Some, yeah. He's got some pictures where he made some dongo. Um, <laughs> some made some jam but also like <laughs> a lot of a lot of these are him complaining about super cub the, the <laughs> anime i love super cub he, because he watches super cub the anime <laughs> and um but he's also like a car fan or a, a i think he is a super cub fan i mean who um, isn't and like a lot super of these Cubs are great a lot of these things are like, I don't think there's a problem with this, but that rear car, I don't think I see the lights from behind. doesn't meet the security standards. Oh, they're really, please study a little more. I think it'll be difficult. Yeah, like, but like, I, I love him. He's a 61 year old guy who invented video games and, and just now he, he cooks, he complains about electronics and he watches anime he watches super cup <laughs> this oh, oh the uh what's the one of the ones you were mentioning the other day the the spider one so i'm a spider so what yeah he's he has a, a tweet about that he compares it to space battleship yamato uh um, okay uh, go off king <laughs> like <laughs> Uh, the Saints Magic Powers versatile. Uh, <laughs> He's just watching anime, running a branch of a company, and cooking food, and living his best life. He's just a freaking cool dude, <laughs> and I love him. I, I, he's the kind of old man that you're like. I wish I could be friends with him. Yeah. I- <laughs> Uh, that's great like well, let's talk about the opposite of Toru Iwatani right, I was I mean... thinking that this entire time <laughs> I'm like of the two dudes we've uncovered on this this segment um, by far superior we, we needed a good one yeah 
And I stumbled onto one. <laughs> Yoshio Kia is, is amazing, and there needs to be three movies made up about his life. Mm. I would accept that. Yep. Okay. Let's let's get back onto our facts. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fazanadu is a portmanteau of Famicom and Xanadu, and takes place in a world where the evil one, who came from a meteorite, has transformed the dwarves and their king Grieve into monsters against their will, and used them to fight the elves and their king, because he wants a magic crystal with the power to control the elements! It's Final Fantasy again! <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of that. It's Final Fantasy! Interestingly enough, uh, if I remember correctly, Fexanadu actually came out the same year as Final Fantasy 1. So, it's it's kind of kind of wonky there. Yeah, this is back when you had development cycles of like 8 months. It's possible. No, cuz Final Fantasy came out um December 8 1987. Okay. And Fizanadu came out November 16th, 1987. Alright, it's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> so really, really, Final Fantasy is based off of no. Fizanadu. <laughs> no, this is... Uh, I'm gonna take back my previous statement. This is like the Pokemon Digimon <laughs> thing. Like, they were, they were clearly being developed simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not exactly a difficult thing to come up with. No, it's not. But the. There's a lot of similarities there. The dwarves, the <laughs> elves, the magic crystal, the elements. The meteorite. Right. It's a, it's a lot of similarities. Okay, um. At some point before or after the events of the game, the dwarves are ruled not by their king, but by the queen Dwarfine, who, while constantly at odds with the king Melvis of the elves, who looks and sounds like Elvis, ugh, has a sweet spot for him. Well, and for Simon Belmont, who helps her and Kevin stop the evil... Is this Captain N, the game master? Why, 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 why'd you get so upset there at the end? <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. I was like, why is Simon Bell... It's Captain and the Game Master! <laughs> Man, she was really, really had the hots for Simon Belmont. I'm sure. I'm sure she did. Uh, you know what? <laughs> this one's pretty impressive, too. Not on the same level as tying Onimusha into it, but... <laughs> But this is uh, this is this was a good one. Good job. I mean, there were two episodes that involved Fazanadu. That's in insane. <laughs> I mean, Fazanadu. Have you had you heard of Fazanadu before this point? No. Fazanadu is largely considered one of the top ten games you should own if you're owning an NES game. Oh really? Um, it it is considered one of the greatest games for the NES of all times. I'm sure it's worth it, hundreds it, it, of it, dollars. I I've played it. Uh, it's actually pretty fun, which is surprising because a lot of those games don't hold up. No, the NES like at all. 
Like, NES like is the, archaic as shit. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of those games are just... You can see what they're doing, and if you played back then, or played close to back then, you can you can kind of put yourself in the, uh, the, the context of it and go, yeah, this is fun for 1987, <laughs> but... But, like, most of the games are like, yeah, this was fun for 1987. It, it isn't fun for 1995. No. Like, <laughs> if, the, if the PS1 exists, this game is not fun anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but for Xanadu, like, I mean, it's aged. But it was genuinely fun when I was playing it. Okay. Yeah, I've never heard of this one before. But I guess if it was that big, it makes sense that it ended up on Captain N, the Game Master. <laughs> How do you... I I'm going to have to give you a real challenge for tying it into Captain N next time. Okay. I mean, I, I don't try to do this. I mean, it, it just randomly happens each time. Sure. Sure. You're going to give me one, and it's going to be like like a three-paragraph stretch. It's going to be... It's, it's, no, it's, it's going to be something that absolutely can't be tied into it. It's going to be like Call of Duty. Ugh. <laughs> You're going to say Call of Duty, like, Call of Duty, but I'm like, well, this was developed by this person, who was seen on Captain In the Game <laughs> He voiced so and so on. That'd be insane. That would be, that would be better than Onimusha. <laughs> uh. Okay. So John, what are we talking about this week? That's a great question. Uh I I mean like I I don't I don't have a joke for this. I I I, I there was one on the edge of my my uh i'm tired yeah you can't even <laughs> think of the word tongue <laughs> no no i mean i was i wasn't actually gonna use the word tongue it was gonna like the tip of my brain but i was gonna use a fancier term for that's it. stupid um, though <laughs> do, do you do you do you remember the fact that i've been up basically for like 26 27 hours now i do i was i, I was yeah. willing to give you more time but you said no if i if i take a nap i'll <laughs> i'll just be asleep <laughs> yeah it's true um we're, we're talking about replayability this is this is one that i suggested it is and uh and i immediately yeah. said yeah that's uh i can talk about that too <laughs> so we're we're not talking about like the concept of replayability so much because i i think we can both agree that replayability is good um i mean we can talk like, about the concept of it as it relates to what we're actually talking about which is the marketing of replayability yeah like we can I mean, talk there's, about there's lots of games that are yeah, there's lots of games that are replayable. Like, like some games aren't, like, uh, probably near-replicant version 1.22474487139 dot dot dot. <laughs> no, e even that one, I could see myself going back to it in the future. Why? 
I mean, it was a fun time. I liked the characters. I liked I liked the gameplay to an extent. Like, I could go back to it. Not in the same way that I could go back to Nier Automata, but I could. Okay. Um, but like some games, some games are inherently uh, replayable, like true roguelikes, where uh, uh, you can't ever play the same game twice. Yeah, like you go like, uh, every every run of Hades is technically you playing the game, and then you're replaying it over and yeah. over. So I mean, that's yeah. replayable in the the most like strict sense. In that the game itself is replaying itself. Yeah, you're you're never gonna play the same game twice, and and the I'd say the truer the replayability statement is is based off of the depth of the game and the amount that it can um, switch around. So all all rogue likes and rogue lights are replayable, but some of them like um, what's the one made by the p- people who did the "Don't Poop Your Pants" game? I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. <sighs> I am I? Yes, I've never played the "Don't Shoot Your Pants" game either. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I know that that's connected is because in the game it uh, uh, there's a thing about the fact that they made cellar door games. Okay. What's the game? They made Rogue Legacy. Oh, I hate that game. <laughs> Rogue Legacy is a replayable game. I mean, technically. Because, because it's a roguelike and it or rogue light, I strongly put on the the light there, right? Um, because it's different each time, except not really. It's always you go into the castle, the gardens to the right, hells to the south, and like wizards tower, or whatever to the north. Yeah, and there there's always the same ads, and there's always the same. Like, types of rooms. I'm guessing you didn't like Rogue and Legacy either. I've never beaten it. <laughs> I've I've beaten multiple bosses. I just... I, I get to a point where I go, I don't care about this anymore. Like, <laughs> I've, I've beaten true roguelikes. But Rogue Legacy was just... Like, you're grinding over the same crap over and over again. And that's the difference between a true roguelike and something like Rogue Legacy, is that when in a roguelike, you're not even going to see the same, like, room again. Because everything about the game is completely messed up and mixed around and stuff and then vomited back up as a completely new game each time you play it. Right. And you can you can gain skills on how to get through that, but you're really learning a new game each time you do it, and that's interesting. In Rogue Legacy, that's not even close to true. Like once once you've played the first level like fifteen times, you've played the first level fifteen times. Yeah, like. <laughs> 
When you die and restart, you've, you're playing the same game. When you're dying and restarting in, in a roguelike, you're playing a completely different game. And I will say that, um, like, Hades has the same, like, rooms also that you run into repeatedly. Yeah. But it's th- it's more of a design issue with Rogue Legacy, I think. Because Hades is fun and interesting, and Rogue Legacy is boring. Like, it's... It, There's also, I feel... It's not interesting more... to run into the same rooms again. There's more variety in Hades, and that's part of of the difference is that in Rogue Legacy, sure, they switch all the things up, but when you take seven items and you put them in a bag and you jumble them up and then you pull them out and put them on the table in a different order, after, like, 13 or 14 tries of that jumbling and putting back out in a different order, you start to notice patterns and it all looks old. Now, Hades, Hades is a bag with 30 items in it. More and than that, if, every if time you're talking you about, out, like, the boons and stuff, there's more than well, 30. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I mean, there's more than seven for Rogue Legacy. It's a, it's a metaphor. I understand. Uh, but, like, comparatively, there's, like, 30 items, and, you know, it takes a lot longer for it to get old. It will still get old... If you play it long enough. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't regularly play Hades anymore. Yeah, I mean, and just like I don't regularly play most of the, uh, it's not Dark Souls, it's uh, Dead Cells. Dead Cells is another rogue light that changes drastically, but it also, very quickly, you start to recognize the similarities. Um, and Dead Cells, uh, I think this is a good comparison for just like game design also because dead cells is also different from hades in one big way in that you don't get to choose the weapon that you go into a thing with like you start the run and it just hands you a random weapon and it could be one that you're good with and or it could be one that you fucking suck with (laughs) yeah whereas in hades you just get to pick the weapon that you're good with and go into a run yeah well i mean the I think nowadays with Dead Cells, you can pick a weapon to go in with. Oh, but, that'd be good. I haven't played it in forever. But but there's a difference in that, like, you can get, like, that weapon, but, like, there's 13 other versions of that weapon that are better. Right. Whereas in, in Hades, you get a weapon. You're not switching weapons throughout the thing yeah i mean you you can but but there's there's not like you're not going to get to a point and suddenly there's a better sword it's just the you sword. know you can upgrade you, sword. you can upgrade your power and do more damage with the sword but you're it's just you're you've got your sword yeah i do feel like we've kind of gotten off of the replayability thing though <laughs> <laughs> talking about game design um, yeah, something I did want to say is that, uh, like replayability is just a subjective thing. I am immediately wary of anybody trying to sell you on a game being replayable because, um, for example, Tales of the Abyss is a 60 hour JRPG, um, yeah, for the PS2 that I have played three times in my life and plan to play again in the future. That game is I mean, immense. I can't. 
it, it's immensely replayable to me. But nobody would ever I advertise sigh. it. Nobody would ever yeah. advertise it as replayable. No. But it's just a fun game with a good story and great characters that I enjoy going back to, which is what makes it replayable to me. Yeah. And so when somebody says, oh, like, look at Rogue Legacy, it's so replayable. Is it, though? Because if I don't enjoy playing (laughs) it, why would I replay it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's replayability in general is, is pointing towards people being able to wanting to play it again. So if you're starting to play it and you don't want to continue to play it, then then you're done. But like there are lots of games that I wish were replayable. Just I guess the concept is like books. Have you ever like watched a movie or read a book and you finish it and you go, dang, I wish I had never watched that movie or read that book so that I could watch that movie or read that book for the first time again? No. Okay, because like that's a really common thing. No, I, I've never um, understood that because I like uh, my girlfriend won't watch movies again. She'll never watch a movie twice. Okay. And I'll, I mean, I watch I watch movies again, but there's something special about the first time you watch something, especially if there's like twists or or you know, something you 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 wouldn't you, you, once you pick up, you're you're not going to I don't not know. pick it up again. I always find a second watch more enjoyable, especially if it's one with twists and stuff, because then I can I know what's coming up, so I can be like, "Oh, this thing is like hinting at this other thing." Or, oh, they're going that way, and that doesn't really seem interesting right now, but it'll be way interesting way later. Like, I like that kind of stuff. And, okay. And so, like, like reading a book twice, like the second read will probably be more interesting to me. Watching a movie twice, yeah. like, the second viewing is more interesting. I've never, I've never felt like I need to, I wish I could forget about this movie so I could watch it for the first time all over again. I've never felt that. Okay. I think most people do though. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, my brain works in weird ways. Like I'm also the kind of person who can't image things in his head. So yeah, like my, my brain's just out of whack. (laughs) When you say an apple, I don't see an apple in my in my mind. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't work like that. Um. Well, like a lot of people have that where they they like they beat a game or something and they go, "Man, I I wish I could play that again," but like I know the story, and I have already been through the grinding mm. and I don't really want to do the grinding again. That's, and I don't, yeah, that's an important the, thing. The, the, the story was good, but I know the story and I don't need to experience it again. So move on. Whereas in, in games marketed with replayability, uh, the, the key thing there is that hey you've seen it or you've you've played the game but like the game has the ability to for you to go further 
So like the for for Rogue Legacy, you can beat the game like and then you can go through it again because it'll be very different. Or or once you get to a point, you can like when you die, you can go back through with better stuff because of how you've you've gotten to that point. So it's it's you know it's designed around that ideal of of experiencing the thing you love presumably uh longer than you normally would be able to there's there's two main problems with replayability and and it's mostly marketing <laughs> that that is the biggest problem um uh it's it's any game that has like dialogue choices they'll immediately say like this game has replayability or any game with branching pathways this game is replayable <laughs> yeah technically like technically but uh, half the time that it says that and there are branching paths, it doesn't matter because you still end in the same place. Cough, cough, Mass Effect, cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, the. I guess the... The best version of uh, playing a game with branching paths that, that ends is, is like, the telltale games well and even they but, even they just have like a little trick that people eventually caught on to which is why telltale yeah. eventually went bankrupt mm-hmm. like they they offer the illusion of choice so if yes. you were if you were to actually replay their games you would notice that oh well if i let this person die or that person die like it doesn't ultimately matter because the other one's just going to die later anyway, so... Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, so it's... why should I care? They they all, no matter what your decisions were, resulted in the same end state. Yeah. Or were the same one of three end states, if if they really went all out on it. And, and I say that as somebody who liked the uh, the first Walking Dead... And uh, the Wolf Among Us too. I liked that one a lot. Hmm. The Wolf Among Us actually got me into the Fables comics, which uh, problematic but good. I played the first episode of the Minecraft Telltale game, and it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. uh... And that's kind of, like, the the problem, because by that point, they'd already fallen into the cycle. Like, people could see what was happening. Like, any any choices that you make will lead to the same point. And I'm just talking in circles now. <laughs> the same way that their games are! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's just... False replayability isn't real replayability. No. And and a lot of the time, like, the replayability anyways as a marketing thing isn't, like, that's, that's not how the industry works much. Like, p- 
people play games and they move on. Oh, it's absolutely like, they'll, they'll... not how the 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 game market works now, where they don't even I mean, expect that... you to reach the end of a game half the time. Yeah. Like if you look on the trophies, like the percentage of people who have um reached the final cutscene of an Assassin's Creed game is <laughs> like less than 20%. Yeah. So, like, why would people replay the game? They're not even finishing it. Yeah. You, you play you play a game that came out and you're interested in it for a month, and then you play it for that month, and then another game comes out, and you drop it, and you go to a ne- the next one. Like, that's, that's how games are made now. Yeah. I don't know what that says. But it's there. I mean, not since the... What generation would you say? Like, PS1 gen? What are we talking about? Has replayability been really the the way it's worked? Like, it used to be, like, you got a cartridge and it was like, shut up, go to your room, kid. Get out of here. Like, this is the game. You play the game like a hundred thousand times well because, because you can't beat it game. because you can't beat yeah. it because it's ninja gaiden and it's impossible to fucking beat <laughs> really good game though Re- yeah um, it is I-, I like ninja gaiden a lot uh ps1 I actually like contra more but ps1 definitely has it i would i would say even like the ps2 library has a lot of that also it's really it's really but I mean, when the, the culture of game playing changed around there. Yeah, like I, I would say that the first console where replayability stopped being a thing on uh, for like major games mm-hmm. was the PS3, I would say. Um, and that's for a couple of factors, uh, a couple of reasons, really. Um Actually, I'll put it at three. I'm gonna I'm gonna say three things killed this this particular uh, game design kind of thing. The first is um, online playing. So games like Call of Duty and Halo and stuff became way more popular, and you weren't replaying the game so much as you were just hopping in and playing the game. Playing the game. <laughs> um, the next would be yeah. Don't don't. Put replayability on your your uh, game package if it's like Fortnite. <laughs> like, I mean, technically you are you are completely correct, but you're the worst form of connect. Correct if you say that. <laughs> yeah. No. Fuck you. Um. The the second thing is that games got a lot bigger on the PS3. And, like, the Xbox 360. Um, Like, open world games started to become a big thing near the end of that generation. And they've Mm -hmm. dominated ever since. Um, So so that was another factor that led to it. And then I think the biggest one is that there's no space for, like, a... What I guess we'd call a double-A game now. Like, just a medium-sized game. Like, the yeah. the PS2 had tons of those. I mean, it was pretty much only those. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> beyond good and evil. Uh, I mean, really, at that time, Kingdom Hearts even. Um, like the first one. Like th- yeah. games that didn't cost a lot to make and weren't very big, but were fun to play. And you'd, like, get invested in the story and the characters and stuff, and you'd be like, oh, I could play that again. It's not too much of an investment of time. Mm-hmm. And those games don't exist anymore. No, they they really don't. Like, today, and you're that's... either a triple-A fucking 70-hour-long Assassin's Creed game, or you're an indie game. Yeah. And there's no in-between anymore. Um, we kind of got close to that with uh, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. That was... that. That's kind of in that vein of PS2 game. But... It didn't... It didn't start a wave of those. Like, it was just kind of a one-off. Like... I guess the... Part of the, the issue is, is with game costs... It used to be that there was a differencing in prices between certain games. Yes. Um, so, like, you, you'd you really have to shell out for a AAA game, but you you were getting a AAA game. Um, but it was, like, 30 bucks for... Yeah. But right a, now, a we game. have, like, the $1 to $10 range, and then the 80, like, 70 to $80 range. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the it. space where games exist now. Yeah. And it's frustrating because often and, and I, and I, I'm I, not interested in a $1 to $10 game. I, I'm, I'm no. just not. And I can't always afford a $70 game. So it also feels like they're just kind of losing out on a market of people who want to play games but can't afford to yeah i don't know man i'm just i'm at the point where like i just i replayed the same games fairly often because i don't want to buy a new game until it's been out for months <laughs> and it's like I can buy it at a used game store for like 30 bucks. Yeah. Not for Nintendo games. No. <laughs> those stay uh They don't go on sale. Those go those stay exactly the same price forever and it's miserable. <laughs> uh, yeah. About that, I I agree like I understand the reason why. Um do you know, like, because that's, that's a Toro Iwata decision. You mean Toro Iwatani? Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Toro Iwatani. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> what, what, uh, how does Toro the, Iwatani tie into this decision? The, the, no, no. No, no Toru, you said the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, I did. This is Satoru I- Iwata. The previous president of Nintendo, who was great Thank and amazing. You. I, I I did half of each name. <laughs> uh, um, I was like, how does the Pac-Man dude play into this? Yeah. 
so uh, he he <laughs> he did this. Uh, he, he said that it should be this way because it doesn't make sense to train people to wait to buy your games. Because that's like Ubisoft fans know not to buy Ubisoft games until six months to a year after they're released. Oh no, you don't buy an Ubisoft game until the next year when they come out with the Game of the Year edition that has all the DLC shit in it. (sighs) Yeah, and and that's that's a well-known thing. Like, I I don't care if you like the, um, Assassin's Creed, if you buy it at launch, you're an idiot. Yeah. Because... You're not getting... First of all, the game's not going to work until a month after release. Second of all, the game's not going to be fun until they patch it and add, like, three rounds of DLC, which will take another two to three months. And then in six months to a year, it'll be dropped to half price. And it... they, Ubisoft has done this, like, clockwork for a decade now and everyone knows it so ubisoft has trained all their fans don't buy at launch buy later and that that doesn't make sense like (laughs) it doesn't even make sense from their perspective no it doesn't the people who are going to buy the game aren't and you're not going to get their money you're going to get half their money (laughs) which is why Nintendo just is like, all right, that's where we will do random occasional like 15% off things. And and I see them very rarely, but, but like for the most part, it's just, that's the price and it'll stay that price until they stop selling the game. Well, and, and even more than that, the, the advantage they have over something like an Ubisoft is that they usually finish their game. Before putting it yeah. up for sale. Yeah. Like, you're you're not going to get a new version of Breath of the Wild a year after release. When Breath of the Wild released, that was the game. Yeah. There have been minor patches since then, but for the most part, the sa- it's the same game. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it just, it creates a trust in your company that's like... I can buy your game at launch. Mm-hmm. And and it's it sucks for the the fans of Nintendo who want to pay less. But <laughs> I mean like it makes complete sense. Yeah. I mean at least uh, Nintendo isn't following the bandwagon on the $70 video games either. Yeah. So, there's also that. <laughs> All right, well, we got off track a little bit, but we're also running out of time, and I think we we handled what we wanted to, probably. Yeah, I mean, I said my piece about replayability. Yeah. Like, ultimately, Uh, it boils down... Oh, go on. I I wanted to to share something that I saw the other day, which, I I mean, it was a picture of a tweet, so... Okay. uh, No due diligence has been done here to confirm anything, but I'm going to assume it's correct. No, we, it was we can on the internet, up. so we can, it must we can be follow true. up next week. <laughs> <laughs> if this isn't true, uh, email at glowingweekpointpodcast at gmail dot com and let me know. Yeah, 
Uh, so this was a really cool tweet I saw. And it was a uh, person tweeted, My cousin worked on Mass Effect two years before she transitioned. She, of course, was listed in the credits under her dead name. She doesn't work there anymore, but Bioware just released the Mass Effect Trilogy Legendary Edition, and they updated her name in the credits. That's beautiful. And that is friggin' amazing. And that, that, that shows a care for their people that... I didn't know a garbage company like Bioware could do. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's not a garbage company. I hear lots of good things about their games. I just haven't played any of them or liked them. No, I'm not going to say they're a garbage company, but they're bad at game design. Yeah. They they rely on that the Bioware magic where they have no idea what the game is going to be up until six months before it releases. And then yeah. they, they crunch like hell to somehow pull the game together. It's not magic, yeah. it's just overworking your people. Yeah. Well, I mean, is that is that the Bioware magic or is that the EA magic? Uh screw EA, uh thank you Bioware for doing the right thing, but you sold out to the bad people. <laughs> no, um they've been calling it Bioware <laughs> magic for years. Uh it's not an EA yeah. thing. It's it's a Bioware thing. Yeah. They call it Bioware magic, not the people. We took that yeah. term from them. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for coming. Thanks for listening. Uh, share this with someone. Nope. I'm stopping who... you, John. John, plug yourself, please. Hey, hey guys, if you want to see more bad Destiny 2 gameplay, you can watch me on twitch.tv slash case and more. All right. Okay. Yourself. All right. <laughs> you can find me on my website, videogamewombat.com, which links to this podcast, Glowing Weak Point. Shell. <laughs> you can donate to us on our coffee, uh, coffee.com slash Glowing Weak Point. You can find me on Twitter at videogamewombat. You can find me on we Twitch to do this. after my vacation this week. Shell. Um, my name is video G- or I'm did the same thing again. Wombat Millennial Shell. on Twitch. And you can again email this so podcast. Bad. You can email this podcast at glowingweekpointpodcast at gmail.com. I don't care that I'm a shill, I want attention. <laughs> apparently <laughs> apparently i want i want to be a bigger podcast you're apparently needy and this isn't gonna help i know but I, you're supposed to do it it's for no. engagement none of the podcasts i listen to do this all the ones i listen to do this you're listening to the wrong podcast i'm not they're all depressing <laughs> you're listening to the wrong podcast anyway do your do your end bit my end bit i just hey don't forget to rate and subscribe uh give us two thumbs up five to ten stars good reviews or don't and say that you hate us you can leave us reviews at amazon and audible yeah go and tell us you hate us
and and we'll take that to heart and right. we'll cry. I think we're on we'll iTunes. Feel really bad. I think we're on iTunes, we'll, so you can probably we'll, rate we'll and review us there but we'll too. We'll keep doing it, and you'll just hear us crying. Hey, uh, share this with someone who's who you've made cry before. You took so long to get to the bit. <laughs> it's not a bit. Bye, everyone. <laughs>